Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. everybody and welcome to episode 46 of the Banter Roundtable podcast here with Bob and Justin. Good morning, guys. Hey, Ben. Good morning. morning. Uh, So we have a fantastic show for you today. We are going to be talking about the final hearing of the January 6th hearings um, that happened on Thursday of this week. We have Alex Jones now owing the victims of uh, Sandy Hook close to $1 billion, which we're going to laugh about. We have uh, <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard leaving the Democratic Party. She's a Democrat. I didn't know that. Um, we have Kanye West's insane breakdown, um, completely banned from social media, banned from Instagram <clears throat> for anti-Semitism, and the release of footage of the real interview he did with Tucker Carlson, which is crazy. So we're going to talk about that. We have our Both Sides segment as well. We're going to be doing a bit more in-depth into why we go into Do the Both Sides um, segment every week. Uh, there's a fantastic piece in the Washington Post we're going to be discussing by Margaret Sullivan. Um, she's saying exactly the same thing we are. And then we are going to the members-only section after that, members-only podcast, where we're going to be talking about um, Hunter Biden and a, uh, a very um, sort of sad and moving and... Um, uh, recording that um, between Hunter Biden and his dad, uh, the president, obviously, and the Republican response to that. So we're going to be talking about that in the members only podcast today about the cruelty of modern Republicans. So um, let's begin the final hearings, allegedly the final hearings, right? Hmm. January 6th. The fact that they, they, they've now subpoenaed Donald Trump, right? So this means that it may not be the final hearing. Did you see his response to it? What was his response? Has he responded? He he sent he sent back a um, it was uh, a, like basically it was like an extended tweet. It was like a letter. It was an official letter on his letterhead to um to uh, Benny Thompson, and it was just the same rambling crazy shit that he does in his tweets, except longer. You know, with the random capitalization, like here. The same group of radical left Democrats who utilize their majority position in Congress to create the fiction of Russia, 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 impeachment hoax number one, et cetera, et cetera. I swear to God, this is what he wrote. And it just goes on and on and on. And it's just rambling craziness. I mean, at one point he said um, that uh, that Nancy Pelosi and the mayor were responsible for not bringing in the troops Mm. to stop the insurrection. It's their fault somehow. They that they, they did it. It was they were the ones so like you know suggesting that they were behind this, and it was just this crazy oh. rambling nonsense. So he may or may not decide to show up for this um uh for uh, uh the subpoena. Who knows? I mean, no, it, there's there's no way. There, there's no yeah. way. He's they're deliberately they're sabotaging it already. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, the whole idea of this is he's going to agree but not agree. That's his scam. That's always been his scam. Yeah. I'm going, yo, sure, I want to submit to this subpoena. I want to testify, but only if it's the kind of testimony that can't ever possibly happen. 
He wants right. it to be live testimony, probably there in the hearing room. That is never going to happen. I mean, I remember we were talking about this initially when the one six committee began and the and the televised hearing started. Like, okay, well, what would Donald Trump be like in this scenario? In fact, I think he was screaming about wanting to testify when everything got started. And so mm. we were saying that that would be a huge mistake. Why? Because he would sit there and he would just be this Mount Vesuvius of horseshit for three hours. No one would be able to shut him up. No one would be able to counterpoint anything he said. It would just be Donald Trump screaming for three hours, utter gibberish, rallying his people, and also playing the victim on television for that entire three hours. So it would just be a disaster that no sane person would ever authorize. So he gets to say, oh, yes, I totally submitted to this. I want to be transparent. But in a way, it's almost like if you get a, a job offer that you don't want to take, it's that old scam of, well, I don't want this job, but I can't say no. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my fee at $5 million, <laughs> a number that will never be accepted by the people who want to hire me. So this way I can say yes, while at the same time saying no. And that's exactly what Trump is doing. Could I just say, just quickly, a brief aside? I actually did that once, where I, <laughs> I um, uh, someone offered they offered me they wanted me to do like a, a seminar on on martial on martial arts, right? And um, I didn't want to do it, and they said how much, and I gave some ludicrous number, and I thought there's no way they're going to pay me that, and then they did. So, uh, <laughs> so oh I had God. to do it. So I had to bluff. do it. Yeah, and they called my <laughs> bluff, and I'm like shit I, I guess i have to do it because it is it, it, like i can't really say no to that the money's too good so I, <laughs> I i had to do it i will yeah i really really did not want to do it but anyway sorry i don't mean to interrupt there um but um no ex exactly right i mean look given the whole <clears throat> the whole point of the hearings yesterday right was kind of they were trying to establish trump's mindset leading up to january 6th um and Such that as was, it is. Right, exactly, and and obviously on cue, Trump then responds to it by uh, as like a deranged lunatic, right? Yeah. Um, but the, the the hearing was interesting. I I thought the sort of one of the most interesting kind of revelations there was the footage, behind the scenes footage of yeah, Alexander Pelosi, Na Nancy Pelosi, right? What a what a what a hero! I know Nancy Pelosi gets a lot of shit from everybody right well yeah she's big time stock market you know she's manipulating the stock market she's doing this she's she's um you know she, she has ice cream too much ice cream too much she's ice a, cream a, you know what she's a powerful woman and that pisses off republicans and that's been the centerpiece of all of it nancy pelosi is one of the most effective speakers in the history of the house of representatives Ever. She's been sure, able to hold a gigantic, like, massive tent party, the Democratic mm. Party, all unified on mm. almost every single one of these votes. I mm. mean, I'm talking about maybe with one or two defectors, but most of the time, the entire Democratic caucus in the House votes as a block in spite of the fact you've got a range of people from the squad all the way through, you know, moderate conservatives in the Democratic mm. Party in the House. And so that's a gigantic uh, statement about Nancy Pelosi's efficacy as a leader. And mm. uh, in that regard, beyond just her gender, that's going to be legendary uh, in, you know, as, as history gets written of this era. 
And so, yeah, it was on display yesterday. And one of the things I found most clever about it was, well, I, I think you're going to play the tape, uh, Ben, right? Mm. So th- there was, there was, just listen to this, right? This is um, from the January 6th hearings. This is, this is footage they played. And this is Nancy Pelosi behind, the, uh, as she's being whisked away um, into a safe place in the Capitol building. All right, so here we go. Senator Schumer is at a secure location and they're locked down in the Senate. There has to be some way we can maintain the sense that people have that there's uh, some security or some confidence uh, that government can function and that we can elect the President of the United States. Did we go back into session? We did go back into session, but now apparently everybody on the floor is putting on tear gas masks to prepare for a breach. Well, I'm trying to get more information. They're putting on their tear gas masks. We need an area for the house members. They're all walking over now through the tunnels. I'm going to call up the effing secretary of DOD. We have some senators who are still in their hideaways. They need massive personnel now. Can you get the Maryland National Guard to come too? I have something to say, Mr. Secretary. Well, I'm going to call the, the mayor of Washington, D.C. right now and see what uh, other outreach she has to other police departments, as Senator Hoyer has mentioned. So <clears throat> I did. I went a little bit over and played some of the footage of the supporters outside or the the rioters outside, who were demanding that they bring Nancy Pelosi out, right? Um, and let's just be frank about this: they would have killed her if they if she'd gone out. Like, Absolutely. No doubt about it. She, Absolutely. She, she would have been murdered on on the on the the steps of the Capitol building. No doubt about it. Um, but what that shows is um, what you can hear is Nancy Pelosi keeping her head as the Capitol building is being stormed, as they're basically saying, we need to put tear gas masks on because they breached the Capitol building and they're inside and they're coming and they're looking for you. Um, she's saying, we need to get back in session. We need to like show the American people that we can do this, that we can perform our, our kind of elected duties, that we can have a transition of power from one leader to another, um, so that they have faith in government, right? This while Donald Trump is watching TV um, and refusing to do anything about what was happening, right? And As laughing the, and laughing. And he was the pre- this is the pres- he's the sitting president, right? No matter he was getting he was getting you know he was going to be out, um, you know, in in a short amount of time. He was still the president of the United States, and he did absolutely nothing. Right, and it, and you can see Nancy Pelosi trying to organize stuff. She's calling up the mayor, the DC mayor, Muriel Browser, uh, trying to get extra support in, and she's basically saying we need to ensure that like government runs properly. That's what an elected official should do. That's what decent, normal people do in situations like that. 
right? As opposed to Donald Trump, who was essentially trying to overthrow an election. And he was happy about it, right? And it's like, it kind of shows you the, the person that Nancy Pelosi is, given the state, given the fact that they were trying to, they were literally coming to try to kill her. Um, so, you know, and I think that the, they playing that footage was, was very powerful um, yeah, in the hearing. Yeah. And I think that should hopefully, you know, that, that should play well with the public to kind of see Nancy Pelosi in a bit of a different light. Uh, I, I think she, I didn't see that bit, but she also said she was going to punch Trump if um, the Trump, Trump <laughs> came down to the Capitol, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that's going over really well in the Red Hat Entertainment Complex today. <laughs> I didn't see Fox I, I News last night, but I'm sure about how it was disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I don't know whether this has worked. I don't know whether this is this the whole hearings is going to have the intended effect. I don't think it necessarily matters. It's done for historic record. I think that's the most important thing that they did something about it. That all of this is on on record. That the public has seen it. Um, will then, you have- know what? And just just to interject. Speaking of on the record, I'm sure you noticed in the footage of Nancy Pelosi, which, by the way, was shot by Christine Pelosi. Uh, no, Alexandra Pelosi, yeah, her, daughter, her other daughter, who's a, a accomplished documentarian. And if you'll notice, Nancy Pelosi was well aware of the fact that she was being filmed. And so, therefore, she went on the record because I think to a certain extent, a lot of those leaders were unsure whether they were going to ever walk out of that building again. And so Nancy Pelosi went on record repeatedly with cameras rolling, saying at the direction of the president of the United States while discussing the insurrectionists entering the building. And so she was deliberately repeating Donald Trump's responsibility for all of it on camera so she was aware of the fact that yeah this is being shot this is on the record i'm going to emphasize what i need to emphasize here which is enormously important to this entire ordeal which is that donald trump directed those people to do what they did and uh and so she was weighing in on that and that was perfect it was the same with chuck schumer later on weighing in and making sure he was emphasizing the fact that jeffrey rosen needed to do his job as Attorney General of the United States in his law enforcement capacity. And he was very clear about making sure to underscore uh, the role of these people in uh, not only the planning, but then the aftermath in the case of Jeffrey Rosen. So I thought that was really clever of them. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, also, as, as usual, Liz Cheney, I thought, was, um, was fantastic uh, during the hearing. You know, like, again, I, I can't believe I'm here saying this. I can't believe that I'm <laughs> praising Liz Cheney, right? But there were several, you know, points that she made. And she said, um, as I'm going to quote her here, this is a CNN report. She, Liz Cheney said, our institutions only hold when men and women of good faith make them hold. We have no guarantee that these men and women will be in place next time. Right? So she, she said... Um, uh, she said, with every effort to excuse or justify the conduct of the former president, we chip away at the foundation of our republic. Indefensible conduct is defended. Inexcusable conduct is excused. Without accountability, it all becomes normal and it will recur. So, yeah, I thought, you know, bravo, Liz Cheney. You get, you, she understood, you know, she understands what's happening 
right now. And I do think that the January 6th hearing should make clear, you know, I know the Republicans are constantly mocking this, it's a show trial, it's like, you know, we should all just get over January 6th because it was not, it was, you know, it was a nothing burger, right? It was just the uh, tourists. Yeah, so um, it's the people who had nine yeah. Benghazi hearings. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> exactly, right? So Was it just nine? <laughs> it seemed like it, there were many nine more. nine or a dozen. But, yeah. I lost count. Yeah. Right, 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 right. You know, so the gravity of, of, of what happened, I think, um, is something that needs to be seared into the public's mind. And I, I hope that they've done this with the January 6th series. I really do. Uh, I don't know if it's going to matter because Donald Trump is facing so many other legal issues uh, like stealing documents and seeing classified documents and putting them in his uh, in Mar-a-Lago. I think that's going to be more of a political liability, more, more of a legal liability than perhaps the January 6th. You know, establishing a criminal conspiracy or establishing any criminal conduct, I think, during January 6th is going to be, it, it might be difficult. Uh, but... There's a lot of other things they can get him on. But still, yeah. for the historic record, I think this is very important. The ongoing problem that I have with all of this is that the system was never fully established to deal with this kind of situation. I mean, obviously, there are some guardrails, but they're not sturdy enough to uh, buttress the amount of fucking nonsense that we've seen in all of this. That Donald Trump not only was responsible for that insurrection, but we have to bear in mind the overall context of what he was doing. There was an election fraud process that started a cheating process for Donald Trump, uh, going back to n not just uh, Zelensky and Ukraine, where he wanted Ukraine to start an investigation against his political opponent in the campaign, but then also the reaction to COVID as well, the USPS situation. These were all examples of Donald Trump manipulating the 2020 election. Uh, some of the time, obviously, in those previous examples I just mentioned before the actual election, and then uh, obviously thereafter, after the election, Donald Trump knew to a certain extent that he was going to lose in 2020. And so he started to put all of this, uh, this whole scam, this whole plot into action early, early in 2020, at the very least, if not prior to that. I mean, based on what we know, it was started with Zelensky, COVID, USPS. It was all part of one thing. Yeah, slowing down, slowing down the mail so uh, mail-in uh, ballots wouldn't get where they were supposed to get on time yeah, was yeah. clearly so, deliberate, and no one's paid a price for that yet. Yeah, we forget about all this shit because that's the process. That's the Donald Trump gambit. Flood right, the zone. What do you call it? The fire hose of bullshit? The fire, yeah, the fire hose of news, the fire hose of tennis ball machines. It's like this ongoing barrage that the system isn't equipped to keep up with, whether it's the press, whether it's uh, government institutions, law enforcement, etc. It's just impossible. If it were possible, uh, he would already be in prison now. Yeah, anyone else would be. Yep, right. for, absolutely. For sure, shit, if it was a Democrat, they would be. But well, look. Let's let's uh, <clears throat> let's move on to some more positive news, right? We're gonna that that more more positive um, of the system working as it should, or legal system working as it should, was Alex Jones, our good friend Alex Jones. Alex Jones, podcast. 
right? So, so actually, before we started recording, right? So, Bob, you, you wrote a piece this week about Alex Jones and how much he owes. It's like nine hundred and sixty-five million dollars to the victims of <laughs> so far. Yeah, so far, right? Plus the um, uh, plus the nearly fifty million dollars from the first Texas trial in August. So, so that's a yeah. billion. So he's over a billion. Well over right? a billion. Yeah. He, he, he's over a billion dollars. Um, and jo- Justin, you're so that he has a what were you saying? There's he has another trial, right? Well, no, there was there was that, but there's also next month the judge is going to decide um punitive damages for the trial he just lost. Well, yeah, he already lost trial. his trial, yeah, yeah, he'd already lost his trial. He was already it was the jury had decided how much because he didn't show up for any of his trials, so he right. lost by default. Because he was just like, I'm Alex Jones. I don't have to show up for this. So he was like, okay, fine. Did you lose? And now the jury was deciding how much he was going to lose by. And Mm. the the jury had decided, I don't just get $5 million. And now next month, the judge is going to decide on punitive damages, which is going to be, well, it could be anywhere from a dollar to another four times as much. It could be another $4 billion. So, uh (laughs) and and the, 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 the fun part about this, which... So far as I know, Texas has a cap, right? So in Texas, the, the first trial, um, he get does a cap. He can, they can only get so much money from him there. But as far yeah. as I know, Connecticut does not have a cap. Right. So he's on the hook for all of it until you know, unless he can get it whittled down in um in uh, uh, a not repeals in appeals. But if yeah. he fa- if he loses all of his appeals, he's on the hook for the whole amount. So fuck him. Yeah, so he's basically like, and I think that they will go after him. There's a lot of, you know, um, I, I know when it comes to cases like this, when someone gets sued for like an insane amount of money, uh, th- there isn't usually, um, there isn't always a kind of a huge effort to get that money, you know, or get all of it, right? But I do think that, because um, it's actually hard, it's quite difficult to make people pay up, right? It's it's not It's not necessarily like that easy. I was reading a case about um, somebody won a huge lawsuit against the university, but the university still like hasn't paid. They find ways around paying things and delaying things and whatnot. Um, so, but I think that there's going to be, you know, Alex Jones thinks he's not going to have to pay this, right? But I think he's he's sorely mistaken there. Like, yeah. well, he, I know he tried to make his company go into um, bankruptcy, and the judge, uh, like one of the, the judge involved in that, is like, yeah, we're not doing that. They're, yeah, they're like kind of like Trump was trying to um, his thing was like he's trying to like start Trump Organization two, so mm. he can try and like scam all of his money away from Trump Organization, so he won't actually have to lose any of his stuff. And they're stomping on that. They're putting like they're putting a stop to that. Like no, 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 no. You're not transferring all of your assets. So mm. that's bullshit. We're not doing that. And they're doing the same thing to Alex Jones. Like you're not disappearing all of your stuff. Like you're getting divorced and hiding your assets from your wife. No, <laughs> that's not happening. So plus he could end up going to prison if he tries to avoid uh, right. paying this. I mean, Ooh, the odds of him so paying sweet. it all are, are zero. I mean, he's not going to, you can't get blood from a stone. Uh, he's only mm-hmm. worth at most $270 million, which is way too much for a fucker like Alex Jones. A lot oh, of suckers out there willing to give him that kind of money. But, it's you know, amazing. as I Yeah, and, and that's really why he did it, right? I think that that was essentially established in the trial, right? That that he knew that this was bullshit, but he kept doing it because it was because... It's extremely lucrative to be a horrible, horrible person. Oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. 
there's a business <clears throat> model in being a dick these days, and it's uh, it, it just feeds into my uh, ongoing mantra, which is shut down the internet. Which Shut I only say half seriously, but you know what? If it really comes down to it, you know what the solution to all of our problems are? The solution is uh, shutting down the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when it comes right down to it. But, but anyway, this was this is. I mean, it's great, right? That he's paying a price, and I think that there has to be some mechanism, right, by which you you, you use the internet. Unfortunately, you know, we're never going to be able to shut the internet down uh, for uh, a period, a, a breather, right? Like a like a timeout for humanity. It's like, right, we're all going to go to our rooms for like 24 hours without the internet so we can <laughs> fucking think about what we've done. Right? In lieu of that, it's not going to happen. Um, and I think that there, there are, it looks like there's going to be mechanisms to, there, there are now mechanisms by which you can punish people for grotesque disinformation that you can spread without any you know with impunity like alex jones just operates with he had he had operated with impunity that he just say whatever he wanted um and caused massive amounts of distress for you know a lot of a lot of people um who knows how many people he also killed with vaccine disinformation and whatnot um you know, this is this is why I think that, like, you know, like Joe Rogan and all these other vaccine disinformation um, idiots. There hasn't been a mechanism to, to make these people pay, but I do think that this is a this is a first sort of a real a real uh, way or a tangible result in the war on disinformation that this guy is now on the line for over a billion dollars because he spread bullshit and knew about it. Well, there's a reason the right wing is screaming bloody murder about how it's attack on free speech. It's like, no, it's not. It's an attack on disinformation, which is their entire business model. That's why they're so threatened by it. Yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, God, it's, uh, how many times are we, we going to repeat the fact that free speech isn't an absolute right? You can't go around saying that uh, it, a massacre of 26 people, including 26-year-olds, 20 kindergartners, uh, is a is a hoax that they never the kids never existed, prompting your own listeners to run out and try to dig up the children from their graves, which is an actual situation that one of the parents found themselves in, where there's a crazy Alex Jones listener saying, "I'm going to dig up their grave, I'm going to desecrate their graves." Fucking so you better monsters. look out. That was part of the testimony the other day. Absolutely, uh, you don't you, you don't get to say that. I mean, it's free speech, but it's not free of consequences yeah. you say something like that and you could be penalized for it it's just that's, that's the way it's been yeah whenever they say free speech they say free of consequences they want to be able to say anything and not have to pay a price for it including having us say you're a horrible person you're a garbage person they, they even that is too much of a consequence for them yeah i mean part of me kind of wants you know it would be i, I don't i'm not advocating this right but you know let's say like marjorie taylor green or alex jones right what you do is you set up a big website and you basically show incontrovertible um, evidence that they are both pedophiles with links to stories of them trafficking children uh you know you can do cgi footage of them doing whatever you know what i mean like all sorts of heinous crimes uh and you leave it up there and you spread it relentlessly on twitter and and share it over and over again you pay for promotion on facebook um, you get it reported on, you know, mainstream media outlets, on liberal mainstream media outlets. 
and let's see how they like it. And you say, yeah, but you know, it's freedom of speech. You know, sorry, yeah, it, it, it uh, you know what I mean? Like, well, it doesn't count when it doesn't count when they do it. But oh my god, it would be the crime of the century if we did it. Yeah, they'd be there'd be lawsuits all over the place if that happened, right? <clears throat> it was like you know Donald Trump. Who was Donald Trump trying to sue? Was he trying to sue CNN or something? Like I can't remember who he was trying to yeah, sue. Yeah, CNN. Yeah, freedom of speech for me, but not for you. You know. Um, Basically, like, I don't know. I'm not advocating that, obviously, but I'm saying, like, part of me kind of kind of wishes that that would happen. Um, but it, which goes into our whole idea about both sides, right? That both sides don't engage in that kind of behavior. They just don't, right? You don't see grotesque conspiracy conspiracy theories coming from Democrats. It just doesn't happen. Um, this stuff is almost always on the right. Um, What's their bread and butter? So speaking of the right, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who apparently is a, was a Democrat, um, I didn't know that, uh, but I'd she, heard a rumor about that, but I didn't believe it. <laughs> on Tuesday, she yeah, she announced that she was leaving the Democratic Party. She wrote, "I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that is under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism." She said in a video posted on Twitter. So, good riddance. Thanks. I I had a like I'd long ago assumed that Tulsi Gabbard was not a Democrat and uh, just a, she was a, playing one on on television. Um, but you know, she did. I don't know why did she why did she announce it? I think was it for the clicks? I think she announced it for the clicks, right? She just wanted to kind of create some attention for herself. Um, yeah, it's a cynical cash grab. She knows well, that she there's like a, a huge stream of cash. Show or a podcast coming out. She had something. She has something about to come out, and that's why. Of course she does. Of course she has something coming out. There, she's got some grift, I'm sure, that she's trying to gain attention. And you know what her audience? She was on Joe Rogan, right? So anytime you go on Joe Rogan, you, you know it's almost certain that she's that she's there for a grift, right? She she's um, she's plugging something. Uh, or maybe not directly, but in the future, she's setting herself up to be to have some sort of media venture. I would imagine. Don't um, forget that there's a gigantic stream of cash flowing into the entire Red Hat Entertainment Complex. Uh, far more money than what we see on the left. The left is just completely in the dust when it comes to uh, financiers paying for getting the message out and so on. But on the right. Oh, my God. Going back 50, 60 years, even, there's just the amount of financing happening over there from wealthy, far-right financiers is just staggering. I mean, yeah, from bulk buying books to, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's across the board. And so yeah. Tulsi sees that revenue stream sitting there, and she's like, let me get in on that. And that's entirely what this is all about. Sarah yeah, Palin climbed aboard that thing years ago. Mm. I mean, I, I thought it was interesting, her... Um, her what's the word her, her her quote right which she said elitist cabal of warmongers right so she's using very loaded language here um about cowardly wokeness racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism um these are all buzzwords these are all um, alt-right buzzwords that she's that she's using uh she's trying to attach herself to this whole new anti-woke grift um, but the, the, some of the language is worrying, right, about the elitist cabal of warmongers. I mean, we're not going, you know, we're not going to go into too much detail on this on the podcast today because we've talked about the, the Russia-Ukraine war 
you know, before, right? But it's this idea, right, that, that America is somehow to blame for this, for the conflict happening in, in Ukraine, that this is America's fault. It's this weird, this is what you see mostly on the hard left, but now it's going into the, the, the hard right as well. It's blame America for everything, right? Blame, you know, blame basically centrist Democrats always, or the neoliberals, right? That's another one that they, they love talking about. Well, their about, talking the points are the same. Their talking yes. points are almost identical. Mm. So I don't really consider the alt left left anymore. They're just basically the right. That's that's how I kind of view it now. <laughs> yeah, and it's, might as well be. Yeah, you might as well be right. So Tulsi Gabbard is she straddled this line between being alt left and alt right, and I think now she's clearly alt right. Well, uh, she hasn't put on the bag of hat yet. That comes next. That comes next, right? First, they, used... first they quit. First they walk away, mm. and then they start. Then they decide. You know what? I've seen the light, and they put on their MAGA hat. Mm. She'll do that in time for the 2024 election. Yeah, of course. Of course she will. Of course she will. But I, I, I worry about this language that's being employed by these people, right? This stuff about, about cabals, right? Um, and we're yeah, going to go that, that as Jews. Yes, yeah. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that, right? Elitist, elitist cabal of, of uh, people in the government and in banks and whatnot. This is all, yeah, code word for Jew, but obviously, um, you know, Tulsi Gabbard's not going to come out right out and say that. Yeah. But, you know, but look, good riddance. I'm glad she's not pretending to be a Democrat anymore um, uh, and shame on, any, on anybody taking this woman seriously. She's acted as a kind of ro- ro- Russian proper mouthpiece for, for months now, um, which is, I just can't under- begin to understand how anybody could take Russia's side on this, how anybody could say we should stand back and do nothing about uh, Ukraine just being annexed by Russia, right? And and clearly not understand that the entire stake of like, you know, where, uh, d- democracy and ca- and um, uh, internationalism is, a st- you know, that's on the table here. That's what people don't really seem to understand about what's happening with Russia-Ukraine situation, right? Is that if you allow this guy to just take over a democratic nation right next to him, you're severely undermining the international order, and you're severely undermining the 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 idea of um, you know of democratic rule, uh, where you're smashing a fledgling democracy, um, and you've got this you know you, you're seeing this fascist right movement around Europe, around the world, in Brazil, uh, in Hungary, like everywhere, it's rising, right? And they're anti-democratic, and they're trying to you know they want power and they're not interested in democracy they're interested in using force to get what they want and we have to stand up to that like that's just i don't understand right. somehow how that makes us the warmongers right which, it's not yeah which right. is fascinating it's <clears throat> like they're they're attacking countries and we should be like oh stop and we're the bad guys yeah and it's who's threatening to, to use nukes we're not threatening to use nuclear weapons putin is right and somehow that makes Biden the the person who's bringing us to the brink of World War Three. And it's like that's not how that works. No, he, he that's not at well, all how that works. Exactly. So, yeah, good riddance, Tulsi Gabbard. Goodbye, good riddance. Um, hope, hopefully, uh, we, we whatever little hustle she's got going on is a failure because uh, it's a crowded market and she's not particularly original and she's also incredibly like she's a very like off-putting person i think someone said that on bill maher recently but she said you know unfortunately for gabbard she's very off-putting she is there's something just weird about tulsi gabbard she has a very off-putting persona um 
Well, she was raised in a cult, so. Well, there you go. That make that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so also we have this week uh, Kanye West, right? So talking about anti-Semitism, Kanye West went completely insane this week. Um, and I don't want to dwell, I don't want to pick on Kanye too much, right? Because I do think that the guy has mental health issues, like quite serious mental health issues. But then again, right, he, <clears throat> you know, there were some extreme uh, anti-Semitic um, uh, tropes that he used over the past week. He's been booted off Instagram, I believe, for saying he was going to go DEFCON 3 on Jews. Uh, you know, he was on Tucker Carlson and the, the the news broke this week that the Tucker Carlson interview with Kanye was in fact quite heavily censored. Uh, so the whole purpose of Tucker Carlson interviewing Kanye West is that Kanye is like a MAGA, he's like a MAGA character, right? Um, he and Candace Owens have been going out wearing White Lives Matter t-shirts and all this kind of stuff, right? So it, it plays into this, into this kind of the MAGA fantasy world. Um, and Tucker Carlson has tried to he clearly what he wanted to do was to this is what i think he did he wants kanye to come on um to show that you know um the maga movement isn't racist and look at because we've got kanye west right kanye west is black so therefore the maga movement and this whole kind of american nationalism ethno-nationalism isn't actually racist here's kanye and he's totally normal everyone says he's insane but he's not uh, so he did a heavily ed- edited interview, tried to make Kanye look normal, and then Vice broke the story that, in fact, Carlson, you know, they got hold of all the footage. Um, of and I mean, he says some absolutely bonkers stuff in this interview, like really bonkers stuff about becoming the first Latin. He said he's going to become um, the first Latino president. He said, I have visions that God gives me just over and over on community building, on how to build these free energy, kinetic, fully kinetic energy communities where we impress, we put the least impression on the earth. We're not building the New York skyline cockfight, that we are humble in the way that we present ourselves. We've got to rethink who we are as a species. Um, Also started talking about how he's descended from, he's a Jew. This is why I don't really understand. Like he's anti-Semitic one day, then saying he's a Jew uh, because he's descendant of the 12 tribes. So anyway, it was mad. It was really mad. Yeah, that that that's this weird. I, I was I was, we were talking about this before the show. That's this weird. Uh, the 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 phrase the black community uses for it is "hotep," and it's a rather derogatory term okay. that they use for other black people who who do this. And it's this weird thing that they do where they consider themselves like you know that we're the ancient Egyptians, and they also say we're the real Jews, and the Jews that we all think of are the fake Jews, which lets them be anti-Semitic. Because you can't be anti-Semitic if you're the actual Jew. So, and it's not based on any kind of history whatsoever. It is just pure gibberish. But it is a way for for black people or you know some type of black people to like hate on Jewish people and say, "But I'm not anti-Semitic because I'm the actual real Jew and they're imposters." And it's just all total bullshit. It's yeah. just the way. It's just a way to dress up their anti-Semitism. Right, and this is very prevalent in alt-right circles. This is very popular. Like, um, I think this went down an absolute storm. Uh, so th- they said that, uh, this is an article in Rolling Stone, said white supremacists are doing backflips over Kanye West anti-Semitism. Um, of course they are, right? This is why you, yeah, this is why you bring him on, right? You, you bring him on to, to uh, basically like 
um, okay with all of that stuff, right? So Kanye West is like a useful, crazy person to them, right? It's not that they like black people as well, right? The white supremacists are they're no fans of. I don't know who they hate more. Do they hate Jews or black people more? I don't. I really don't know. But honestly, it's Jews. Yes, because we're, we're we're the super villains. They, they yes. hate black people, but Jews are the super villains. Yeah, that's a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah. yeah, we are the bad guys that who orchestrate everything. Black people are just a plague on the earth, but Jews are the ones who are behind everything. Yeah, and this is for you know this is this is for another podcast, right? But there are there is you know anti-Semitism does go across the political spectrum, and I've been seeing more and more of it, um, you know, in recent times, and it does go on the le- on the left. It's very prevalent in the left as well, uh, but. You can see now that um, anti-Semitic, this kind of anti-Semitic nonsense, is is essentially central to the kind of alt-right world, the, the crazy alt-right. And um, they're getting much more comfortable saying it out loud. Yeah, they are. They way are way really, more comfortable. They're really, really comfortable with it. And I think Tucker Carlson uh, has a lot of responsibility for this. He's platforming lunatics like like Kanye West, um, and Tucker Carlson knows exactly what he's doing. He he really is. But but you know this. Uh, his his whole you know releasing interviewing Kanye and then releasing a highly edited version of it, I think it's just so disgusting. Um, you know, it just shows you that he's a propagandist. He's got he's not a serious media commentator or journalist or any anything like that at all. He's a propagandist, uh, and he used Kanye West. He used the basically mentally ill like racist nut job like Kanye West. Um, for clicks, right? Basically, to, Hersh- he's like Herschel Walker, but on you know not running for a senate yeah exactly right and it's it, it's it's kind of it's racist in its own way right where you're you're trying to um what's the word you're trying to signal to other minor, minorities that hey we're not racist because look but then you look at kanye west i mean wearing white lives matter t-shirts at rallies i mean with candace candace owens it's madness. It's complete madness. I I don't know. I don't know. It, it's getting more bizarre as well. Like this whole bizarro world is getting, um, and Tucker Carlson is promoting this bizarro reality, like not almost nightly on his show, uh, to great having a great detriment, I think, to society in general and people who watch his show who who probably believe in all sorts of crazy things. So anyway, that's my Kanye rant done. All right. Yeah, um, so we're going to go into our both sides segment today. And before uh, the both sides segment, I wanted to just read a piece, uh, read an excerpt from a piece that was in the Washington Post by Margaret Sullivan, who was the Post Media columnist in 2016 till late August. Uh, and it's adapted from her memoir, Newsroom's Conf- Newsroom Confidential Lessons and Worries from an Ink Stained Life. And it's going to be released this month as well but i thought this is a really fantastic piece and it, i'm not gonna ha- i don't have my own pick for both sides this week but i wanted to just read an excerpt from this um again to highlight why we have this segment right on the show um so the whole her piece in the in the washington post was about holding the media to account for how they completely screwed up the reporting um leading up to trump's presidency in 2016 right and she she argues brilliantly, like it's a absolutely pitch perfect. Like everything she wrote, I agreed. I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everything she, every sentence in her piece was just absolutely encapsulated the problems with the mainstream media, right? So this is what um, Sullivan wrote. She said, well into his presidency, 
Journalists didn't want to use the word, quote, lie for Trump's constant barrage of falsehoods. To lie, editors reason, means to intend to be untruthful. Since journalists couldn't be inside politicians' heads, how are we supposed to know if, by this definition, they were really lying? The logic eventually became strained, given that Trump blithely repeated the same rank mistruths over and over. Too many reporters and their editors didn't seem to want to figure out how to cover Trump properly. From the moment he descended the golden escalator at Manhattan's Trump Tower in June 2015 to announce his candidacy, the news media was in his thrall. Journalists couldn't stop writing about him, showing him on TV and even broadcasting images of the empty stage waiting for him to arrive at a rally. Trump had described himself as the ratings machine, and for once, he wasn't exaggerating. Sullivan then goes on, she says, I'm convinced that journalists, specifically those who cover politics, must keep a sharp focus on truth-seeking, not old-style performative neutrality. What does that mean? She says, sorry, does that mean we throw objectivity out of the window? Of course not. We should be resolutely objective in the sense of seeking evidence and approaching subjects with an open mind. We should not, however, resort to taking everything down the middle, no matter what, rather than, for example, having equal numbers of Republicans and Democrats or conservatives and progressives on every talk show, or devoting equal numbers of words to each side of a political argument. We should be thinking about what coverage serves the public best. Those who deny the outcome of the 2020 election certainly don't deserve a media megaphone for that enduring lie, one that is likely to re-emerge in the presidential campaign ahead. But the media should go one step further. When covering such politicians in other contexts, for example, about abortion rights or gun control, Journalists remind audience that this public figure is an election denier. So, yeah, I thought this was like fantastic. Um, And it really kind of spells out like the problem that we have in the media at the moment. And, uh, you know, we we talk about this a lot, you know, and and I think this is the media is really going to have to get their act together when it when it comes um, to this election, because if they screw it up like last time and they treat both sides with the same kind of respect, you're going to have this impression, right, that both sides really are the same. Um, that there are no, there, there's no difference between the two. You know that there are equivalents, right? And it's just, it's just absolutely not true. And the media has a large role to play in this, and we need to sort that out. So that being said, uh, let's go into our both sides segment. And um, Justin, all right. Um, I actually, for this week, I have a reverse both sides. It uh, actually kind of ties into uh, it ties a bit into um, our, our good friend Tulsi Gabbard. Um, I have Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore, if uh, you our audience is not familiar, is quote unquote left. Um, he's a far left um, uh, talking head. He does the podcast and he does shows and YouTube and whatnot. And um, he used to be on the Young Turks and he does comedy shows. He's actually going to be two blocks away doing a comedy show um, up, up the block for me. And it's really annoying because it's the second time he's been here in like three months. And I hate the fact that he comes as close to me. Um, in 2016, he was super pro Bernie. He was like total Bernie bro and blah, blah, blah. And then he voted for Jill Stein. But now he's super, super anti, anti, um, he's anti, anti-Trump. Um, he's one of those guys. He's gone so far left that he's, the only thing that's missing is the MAGA hat. And um, he tweeted a couple of days ago that Ron DeSantis is to the left of Bernie on vaccine mandates, free speech, and Ukraine. Why does this trigger you so much? Um, 
because his whole thing now is he hates Democrats so much that Republicans are just better. He doesn't actually say that, but he's done the Tulsi Gabbard thing. He just hates Democrats so much that he'd rather anything in the world be elected, anyone in the world be elected than a Democrat. And there is nothing like that on the actual left. Like we don't actually have Republicans who are progressives pretending to be Republicans. But here on the left, we have a whole group of people on the left who are actually Republicans pretending to be progressives. You've got Greenwald, Jimmy Dore, Michael Tracy, who has been screaming bloody murder that Ukraine is beating the shit out of Russia. He's been weeping bloody tears about this for weeks, that he's really, really upset that Russia's losing. But he won't say he's pro-Putin. He's just say he's very upset that you know we're helping Ukraine because we're warmongers. And it goes on and on and on. There's just this huge contingent of people who are supposed to be super progressives, but really they're just fucking MAGAs who won't put the hat on and say it out loud. And they won't refute, they just won't do it. And there's nothing like that on the right. We don't have, uh, what is it? What is it? A fourth column is the phrase. We don't have anything like that. That is strictly a thing. These people are either paid for by the right or they're funded by Russia. I don't know what the fuck it is, but there's nothing like that. There is no equivalent for both sides. We just have this far right contingent pretending to be progressives, poisoning the entire debate pretending that they're progressives and then we have to deal with this type of bullshit for our elections and that's that's you know how we keep losing elections that's how we end up with jill stein and susan sarandon telling us don't vote for hillary and then we get trump do you see the uh, disciples of do you see the disciples of jimmy Dore uh protesting that aoc town hall this week I know about it, and they're calling, screaming that she, calling Ukraine, you know, Nazis and the same Putin propaganda that we've been hearing since the beginning. Yeah, of all and the, she's a warmonger oh, yes. for supporting. Yeah, she's them. a warmonger. Like, oh, yes. AOC is a warmonger. And it's the hilarious. thing that kills me about this is I, I started I started pointing this out like five years ago. Remember when you started talking about Glenn Greenwald and you <laughs> yeah. lost a whole bunch of um, followers on your po- on your podcast on your website? The same thing happened when I started pointing out. Back in 2016 and early 2017, it's like, there's something wrong with these guys. These guys are not actually progressives. I lost a huge amount of followers who were just like, oh, you're you're a Republican. One of my best friends stopped talking to me for four years because he just he was straight up total into Bernie. And he's just like, you're lying, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, look at them. And here we are five years later. And everything I said came out to be true. And look, AOC is, I don't necessarily agree with AOC on, on everything, but she's a, and she is an actual progressive. Like a she's a real progressive. progressive and she's a real progressive. Her. Right, right. Exactly. Um, so this is why I think, you know, yeah, a lot of these people on the old left are not, I don't distinguish between them. They're basically right wing now. Um, so Bob, who's your pick for this week? I'm going with Tommy Tuberville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This week, he uh, had a, you know, he went full racist. And even though he didn't say the N-word, he may as well have. Uh, He said that, uh, talking about Democrats, he said, they're not soft on crime. They're pro-crime. They want crime. They want crime because they want to take over what you got. They want to control what you have. They want reparation because they think the people that do the crime are owed that. What he's talking about is not Democrats. He's talking about black people. 
he and actually he's talking said about black that out people. loud. Yes, he said, "My God, he did." It was incredible. Holy Jesus! It was at a Trump rally. Yeah, the yeah. people and so, who commit the crimes deserve. they want to control what you have this is as old as jim crow this is old as the fire eaters before the civil war broke out this is black people coming for your white women black people coming from your jobs coming for your jobs remember that uh jesse helms ad in the 80s it was called the white hands ad and it was just a commercial it was a tv commercial for jesse helms re-election campaign and it was a pair of uh, it was a white guy's hands with like a flannel shirt so you could see his sleeves and he's got a pink slip there and he's looking at the pink slip and he's angry and there's this voiceover you know it was oh it was all about how affirmative action took your job your white job and so you have to be opposed to uh, black people and vote for Jesse Helms who was a segregationist and all the, the worst possible things and uh, this is just that same sort of thing. They are coming for what you have. And then, the, of course, the big shibboleth in all of this is mentioning reparations. They want, and he said it's in a singular tense, which is weird. They want reparation because they think the people that do the crime are owed that. Yep, they're not wow. secret about this. This is not some sort of uh, veiled uh, dog whistle anymore. They're just yeah, going full race yeah yeah i mean they might as well just say the n-word i mean donald trump came close when it came to who is he talking about letitia james called her peekaboo leisha letitia peekaboo james peekaboo it's not the game he's not referencing the game you play with your children yeah he's referencing the j word which is you know maybe the worst possible thing you could say about it the worst possible word you could use about a black woman and uh so this is way out in the open. I will go out on a limb and predict that if Donald Trump does run for president, uh, by the way, if he does, it's going to be a short campaign. I'm just saying that. I, I still don't think he will run, but if he does, it's going to be short. But what I also think is during the course of that campaign, he will absolutely say the N-word and not, not the shorthand N-word. He'll say the actual word at some point or another. Because this is what he needs. These are his people. He can't win without them. Yeah, I yeah. give it to the end of the decade before Republicans are just running on it as part of their campaigns. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as we grow farther and farther from uh, the civil rights era, farther and farther from World War II, you're seeing more and more of this stuff cropping up as civil rights leaders from the 1960s die, as World War II veterans, people who experienced that war, experienced real Nazism. As they die mm. off, you know, this is how this shit gets started. This is how people like Kanye West, for example, are able to just blurt this stuff because there's no one around to go, hey, look, I saw Nazis. I saw real Nazis, you know, burning mm. people alive in ovens. Uh, but this is a bad thing. We don't want more of that. Yeah, but people get frustrated with there. democracy because it doesn't it doesn't turn on a dime the way they want it to. So they're like, well. Obviously, then we need an authoritarian to come in and lock them all up and lock up our enemies and, you know, uh, rule with an iron fist and all the rest of it, all the tin pot bullshit that has uh, given us Donald Trump. And that's a direct consequence of forgetting about history. Yeah, Chuck Todd will be there to ask, are people getting upset or too upset about Republicans using the N-word? He'll be there. Oh, yeah. He'll be there. Yeah, yeah. 
It'll just oh, be yeah, another a political football. Mm-hmm. Like N-word. Okay, so, yeah, so you're pro N-word, you're anti-N-word. Come come and join us on the meet the on left this week's meet the press. Upset about this. Are they making too much of a big deal about this? Yeah, this is which goes to Margaret Sullivan's piece, right? Which which kind of spells out it's like a it's like a kind of a manual for journalists. It's like, please don't do that again. Please, please, please don't do that again. Don't both sides this. Um so look, um guys, we're gonna move into the members only podcast right now where we're going to be talking about a uh, footage or audio released on Sean Hannity's show um, with Joe Biden speaking to his son. And we're going to talk about what was Sean Hannity doing it for and uh, what does this reveal about the modern Republican Party and also about President Biden. So we're going to be talking about that in the Members Only podcast. Please come and join us there. You can get a free trial and listen to it free. Uh, Please become a Bantam member as well. We need your support. This is how we keep going um <clears throat> we appreciate you listening very much and we appreciate your support very much and we will see you next week all right later <laughs>